Esme. She's a queen. This is dedicated to all my beautiful queens, all my beautiful ladies out there. She's a queen. Go queen. Thank you guys for joining another episode of the Q Chat Podcast. Today, my special guest is Ms. Michelle Walker Davis. Michelle has an amazing story. She's a serial entrepreneur, she's a servant leader, and she's the managing partner for an imperial management group and founder of something that is referred to as WOPAC, which is Women of Power and Transformation. And she has this great launch that she did in Ghana, actually. So we're going to talk about that and a lot of the things that's happened in her life. And of course, my favorite topic, self-love. So I want to go ahead and get started. So how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. How are you, Sharonda? I'm doing good. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk with you. I'm like, oh my God, what should I start with first? So let's dive in actually, like I know you're a serial entrepreneur, so can you start off just telling us your background, how you got started in business, you know, just everything that inspires you to be a businesswoman? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say with me, I always did multiple things at once. I was multitasking before there ever was such a thing. Um, when I was deciding on how to go to grad school, what would I study in grad school? I did like a survey. I was like, what will always be around? Because I was unemployed. I was a broadcast journalist in undergraduate studies. But when I got out, I couldn't get a job. Mm-hmm. And from that, I found out that um, education and government would always be around. But I couldn't decide which. So I did them both at the same time. And I would say that was the beginning of my duality. Because ever since then, I've been doing multiple things. So when I launched my nonprofit in 2008, around the same time, I was out um, doing grants because my son was a a young actor. He was a a young Simba in The Lion King. Mm -hmm. And so I was on tour with him and I needed to earn a living. So I just continued to write grants for people. And then at the same time, I started Women of Power and Transformation because I looked at my life. I was a mother of four. I was married, had a husband, um, and I was still trying to make a living for my family and adjust to who I was as a person. And I ended up going on a workaholic retreat, actually. And, um, and, And so workaholism is for real. And now I am on a crusade to save other women from themselves. <laughs> wow. I'm happy you touched on that. I've actually talked to someone in the past who focused on addiction and he was talking about his drug addiction and he was listing just certain areas that it goes past drugs. Addiction is addiction. And as we were talking, I was like, wow, like he <laughs> identified certain things that I related to because I have suffered from being a workaholic prior to working for myself. I noticed once I stopped working for someone else, I still had the same bad habits. So 
I'm happy you did mention that. How how do you help women find that balance? Because I think we're so used to being super women, wearing this invisible heavy cape, you know, that we feel that we're doing more if we do a ton of things at the same time, not realizing we're burning ourselves out. So how do you help people combat that and fight being a workaholic and overstressing themselves? Well, first of all, by um, identifying um, letting them know that's what they are. I didn't know that's what I was. It was a sorority sister that was much older than me um, that made me aware of it. She was doing workaholic retreats. She was a dean at the College of New Jersey and she was doing workaholic retreats. So at 26, she tapped me on my shoulder and she said, you need to come away with me. I was like, for what? She was like, because your life is going to spiral out of control. You're like putting a square peg into a round hole. So I, the more kids I had every year, she was trying to tell me, you know, but I wasn't paying attention. And one day she said, I'm going to talk to your husband. And she went up to my husband and she said, your wife needs to go away with me. Um, she, she needs help. And my husband said, whatever you can do to help her, please do. And that was like um, a real shock to my system because I thought we were good. I thought everything was good, you know, but I didn't see all the casualties that I had left behind. I didn't see all the bodies. You know, you're so driven trying to sometimes it's climb that corporate ladder or it's just trying to be perfect or go after that excellence that you're driven but people can't keep up with your pace. You know? mm-hmm. So I ended up going away. It was um, 11 days to Morocco and it was with 12 other women and one guy, which was really neat because he helped us out carrying our luggage and everything. But we had two books to read and nobody read the books because we were too busy. And so while we were at the resort having our um, counseling times during dinner, Uh, We started reading and then the floodgates opened up because I saw myself on each page. And I remember the passage, it was um, from Ayana Van Sant. Um, It was daily meditations. And it was, now that you've become the man that you've always wanted to be, who would want to be with you? And I was like, wow. (laughs) So Sharonda, I'm not the person that you see here today. I was more androgynous. I wasn't very feminine. I was trying to compete. I didn't want my coworkers to see me as another female. I wanted to be just like the good old boys. You know, I had become hardened. I'm wearing androgynous clothing and just wanted my work to speak for me and not to speak for myself. Mm. And um, so I left there with a whole new perspective. I actually got my life back. And then I realized that not every woman could go away to Morocco. Not every woman can spend 11 days away from their home. So I wanted to figure out what could I do to help women right here, right now. Um, And all we really need is um, to tap in and tap out maybe a three or four day weekend just to get that balance back in our life, to become more aware. And let me tell you this real quickly. Mm -hmm. At the time, My youngest wasn't even a year old. I think he was six months old. And I went away, leaving my husband with four children. And I remember calling him one day and he told me the baby spoke. I was like, oh, baby spoke, what did the baby say? And he said, where's mama? 
<laughs> I was like torn up. I'm like ready to leave. Let me get out of here. I got to go home. But I didn't, Sharonda, because I realized I was exactly where God wanted me to be mm. because I needed to make myself healthy. I was no good to anybody the way that I was. So when they talk about putting that mask on your face in the air on the airport in the airline, that's for real. You've got to save yourself first before you can help and save anybody else. So I stayed, I went through the process and now my baby's 20 something years old. And we just told him the story a couple of years ago because he'd never heard it before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I just envisioned this child sitting around the table every day, just looking around like, where is this woman? What happened to her? And then saying to himself, I better say something, you know? So anyways, that's my version of it, but it's for real. And so I've been on a crusade over 20 years to help women just like myself. And it's true. You're always recovering. You're always in recovery mode, you know? What do you find is the most common thread? Because I feel like a lot of women share that same story, like you just said, especially when you're handling the corporate world and then some women have all these other responsibilities outside of work, being a mother, being a wife, you know, just having, just trying to find that balance and trying to find your identity because it's so easy to get lost in any role. Sometimes when women become mothers, they lose themselves in that. They become a wife, they lose themselves in becoming a wife. And the workforce really, it causes a lot of strain mentally. Like I said, I went through that. From the, I had so much burnout. It was unreal. PTSD, practically. What is the common thread when you meet these women? Like, like you said, you've been doing this for over 20 years. And I feel like everyone has these same similarities. So what is the common thread that you find when you meet these women who are struggling to balance? You know, like you said, they, they want their identity Sometimes their identity gets lost and they're not even willing to do that. It just happens. You know, they, they didn't give permission for their identity to get lost. They just got wrapped up in this role and just trying to be more than they need to be. So what do you find is the most common threat for women in that same position, just trying to find themselves? I think that's an excellent question. And I really think the answer is in the statistics. Okay. And I was able to really zero in on it during COVID. So women of color, specifically black women, are deemed to be the less desirable, okay? We make the least amount of money. Our value is the lowest of any other group in the world. So I think it's that ability to overcome all of those things to prove our self-worth. We know we're not those things. We knew we were always beautiful. We knew we were always smart and intelligent and that we were great at all these awesome things. But I believe it's more or less because women are devalued and our voices aren't really heard and that we are striving to make ourselves known. And we want the same life that every other group has. You know, and I also think it's a sense of we don't fall back and rely on other people. You might have a significant other, but you don't sit back like some of our other women do and can just sit back and let that person be the breadwinner and take care of you. We don't have that type of lifestyle. We're always 
there knowing that anything can happen on any given day and we're going to have to do something to help our families survive, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's a combination of that and um, we're high strung. <laughs> we're high strung. And so um, we're very bright. I, I knew at a very early age that um, I saw the difference in the way my brothers were raised and the way my sister and I were raised. So on Saturday morning, my mother would wake us up to do the housework. My brothers could sleep. So <laughs> I hated that. And then we had indoor chores and the guys had outdoors chore, outdoor chores. And I wanted to work outside. You know, I didn't want to be in the house doing the housework. So at a very early age, I learned that there was a difference between um, the way boys were treated and girls were treated. And I think that shaped my... Hey, yo, peace world. It's the love king of R&B, Raheem Devon. And this is the Q chat. Keep it locked right here. My reality. And I, w- I became a feminist probably very early on <laughs> without recognizing it. Mm. Um, but I believe truthfully that we are the nurturers. We've been through a lot traumatically and that we have this fear factor that we don't want to go back. There is no other place for us to go. If we don't make it happen. It's not going to happen for us. And so I believe that the majority of us want to live that American dream. That's essentially it. I truly believed if we put all these things together that we're doing, if one thing brought us all that income we ever wanted, we would be able to fall back. But we don't have it like that. Every woman that I know has multiple jobs, multiple things that they're doing because one is not paying enough. Right. You hit a lot of points. We have multiple jobs. We have multiple responsibilities. We have multiple identity crises mm-hmm. <laughs> because we have all these different roles. You know, like I said, to me, just working in general as a Black woman is mm-hmm. a beast. You know, like you hit a, an important point. Like, obviously, the pay disparity is huge for Black women. We are mm-hmm. g- normally paid the least, mm-hmm. you know, but then we have to be, we have to be conscious of how we're viewed unfortunately mm-hmm. you know because and I'm I love how you labeled us as high strung a lot of times we don't even get that label we're aggressive yeah. we're mean, <laughs> an attitude you know so I've never I think that's the first time I've ever heard of black women even being labeled as high strung like I see it as something that the other races get oh they're high strung but we have the attitudes we're yeah. aggressive you know, and it's funny because, like I said, in my past work life, I witnessed it. I saw how, like, my counterparts can just have outbursts, mm-hmm. can curse, can cry, can do all these emotional things. Yeah. But when I had to stand up for myself, it was like, oh, well, you know, it's you know, like, excuse me. Um, it's just amazing how you touched on that. So one thing I want to pull from what you mentioned is how you mentioned the pay disparity. Mm-hmm. So I want to lead into WOPAT the women of power and transformation. And excuse me if I, correct me if I did anything incorrect with the terminology, but you guys launched this amazing initiative in Ghana. Mm -hmm. And one of the initiatives is to have 1 billion successful women entrepreneurs worldwide by 2030. So please, please, please just tell me just the inspiration behind this. Cause like you just said, you hit on some major things. A lot of us have multiple jobs, you know, just to have that lifestyle that 
sometimes the society maybe or just the workforce has kind of tried to emblazon to make us think we don't deserve those particular checks you know that particular lifestyle that particular luxury so just just yeah. let me know how you thought of this like this is amazing just to encourage black women that we can be millionaires billionaires yeah. and just own our own so That's just tell me about what that okay well Women of Power and Transformation, like I said, was given to me during the Barack Obama movement, actually. And um, the country had really fallen apart. We were at another financial crisis. It was one of the biggest ones that I had experienced in my lifetime. And I remember I was at home. My lights had been turned off. I was doing campaign headquarters for this man who I didn't even know. I was, my husband had given me money to pay the bill, but I was so busy working on behalf of Barack. I forgot to pay. Now, you know, back in 2008, we didn't have all this automated stuff, you know. You had to actually put it in the mail or go to the electrical company and pay your bill, okay? So I remember calling up a prayer warrior at my church, one of my mentors. I said, explain this to me. I'm working hard for this guy who I don't even know. My lights are off. I need to be looking for a job or doing something. And she said, get your Bible out. Turn to Judges 4-6. It's the first time Barack appears in the Bible. And I'm like, really? So I, I did that and I read. And it's the chapter where Deborah, the prophetess, she's a judge. She presides over the village. And she tells Barack, go take 10,000 men and conquer all these cities. Well, he doesn't want to do it. He says, I'll go if you'll come with me. Um, I, I need you, you to help me. And he, he says all these things. And while I'm reading, I could hear our Barack saying the same thing. He was saying, will you knock on doors for me? Will you make phone calls for me? I, can, I, can, I can't do this by myself. I need you to help me. So in the Bible, um, Deborah goes with Barack. Uh, she tells him when to strike the other um, villages. And so she gets the glory for the win. And so the story goes like this. We're the, we're the Deborahs. We're the Michelle Obamas. We yield our own power that we don't even realize. So our power is different from the male power, but we still hold such a prominent place. So when Women of Power and Transformation came about, it was all about teaching survival skills. Fast forward to where we are now with the pandemic, I felt like, whoa, we're prepared for this. You know, this is our time because whether you believe it or not, God sent us all home. Some say the government sent us home, <laughs> but if you're a believer, this pandemic hit everybody worldwide. We were all sent back home to be with your family, your children, get back to educating your children, feeding your children, all those things. We didn't know how privileged we were, Sharonda, until the pandemic hit. <laughs> so our counterparts weren't the only privileged women. We were pretty privileged too. <laughs> so during that time, I realized that women needed to realize how vital they were to the survival of the household. So I started doing videos, you know, letting them know this is going to be a very, very tough time, but people are going to look to you and me, Sharonda, to stabilize things. They're going to look to us to see whether we're losing our mind or are we controlled and do we have it all together, okay? Mm. And so I wanted women to realize that we're supposed to be the stabilizers for the household. 
we are the thermostat and not the thermometer. So mm. the thermometer reacts to the environment, whatever temperature is, that's what temperature it's gonna be. But a thermostat you regulate. So we mm. talked about regulating our households, our environment, who we were, meditation, breathing, all that great stuff. So in the pandemic, I also learned about a lot of statistics. And when you think about 1 billion successful women entrepreneurs, it's really about creating the largest human mind shift, shift in the mm. history of this world for women. I want people to think about it. What does that look like if we have a billion women successful entrepreneurs? What would the world be like? Mm. What would it be like for you and I? Okay. So it's really about creating a mind shift, a thought process, putting emphasis on how powerful we are and how devalued we are. So women make up over 60% of the population, but we're 70% of the poor. We're the poorest people worldwide. There are some countries where women get a dollar a day, okay? Mm -hmm. So I really want to put the emphasis and the spotlight on women. But mm -hmm. here's the thing, Sharonda, we give birth to everything and everybody. Even our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ came through the womb of a woman. So we don't put enough attention on motherhood, the power that we have, how valuable we are. Running our household is like running an empire. Okay, <laughs> you know, you got to deal with a whole lot of stuff. Right. So the initiative number one is to raise the value of women worldwide. We mm -hmm. say successful because anybody can open a business. But as you know, businesses go out of business right and left. Right. But what I have found during the pandemic, that 42% of the businesses are being opened by women. I'm also finding out that women, their businesses are more successful than male-owned businesses. So they go out of business at 35%. We stay in business at 58%. So more women businesses mean more success, more money for our communities and everything like that. And if you think about other countries where women have less of a say and less of a voice and where they're not valued, Think about all that economic commerce that mm. the countries are losing because they have the women bound. You mm. know, so this is about freedom, it's about liberation, and it's being led by a Black-owned nonprofit. So mm -hmm. essentially, imagine this, uh, women of color are going to be leading this effort with our allies. So we have about 2,000 small businesses of black and brown CEOs that support this initiative. So it is being led by people of color. It is for people of color. And it's going to create the largest mind shift in the human race ever. And it's going to elevate the status of women. Just by us having this conversation, you have to put it out in the atmosphere. And why a billion and not a million? A million is nothing. Mm. You know, if you were a millionaire, maybe you are a millionaire. I don't know. I haven't met you. But if, if you are a millionaire, you're still working, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> billionaire status, you still got to work these days. <laughs> but a billionaire, you can, you can sit back and make things happen. So I am about liberation, freeing women and freeing girls, young girls. Um, you know, that have the mindset that they want to make money now. They don't want to wait. And there's so much opportunity out there. We just need access. So this initiative, we, we targeted Ghana because for a number of reasons. Number one, it's the motherland. And mm -hmm. so it was a way to bridge the gap between Africans and African-Americans. Okay. So we went to Ghana, we launched, and I'll tell you, I was received with a welcome that I couldn't even imagine. Um, it was a press conference, a luncheon held in my honor. It was at the International Conference Center in Accra where Barack was hosted. Um, the Queen Mothers came out to greet me and pray for me and bless the initiative. I was teary-eyed the whole time because of the love that I received the articles that were written about the initiative, um, all the support and outpouring. Women are ready right now. Um, the, the goal was to go from Africa to India. Uh, India has agreed to also launch, and it was supposed to be January 10th, but they are now, due to COVID, there's a, a shutdown and there can't be any public events or, or gatherings. But mm. Once we get India on board with Africa, that's two thirds of the world's population. So the shift is already happening. It's already occurring. Um, I was on the phone today with the Dominican Republic and Costa Rica. Women are ready. So mm. WOPAC's gonna be the hub and we're gonna have the spokes ambassadors throughout the world. And we want uh, women um, that have money to back this initiative uh, to support us, to invest in ourselves. Uh, let me just give you a couple of statistics real quick. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm in grant development. I have a company, Imperial Management Group. I found out that there's $850 billion available every year in grant funding, but mm. less than 4% goes to people that look like you and I. Mm. For government contracts, there's $7 trillion available every year but less than 0.006 goes to people that look like you and I. And in terms of angel investors and venture capitalists, all that money they have, less than 2% goes to people that look like us. So basically they see us as high risk and they think that 98% of the inventions and ideas can only come from white males. Isn't that sad? So it's time to put a light on it. We gotta, we gotta tear down all those systems that aren't working for us, and we right. can let them know that without women, you, can, it, it will be a different society if they let women take their rightful place. Because mm -hmm. studies also show that when women make money, seventy percent of our money goes back into our households and our communities. Mm. Because we're nurturers, so you know it's yeah. a natural progression mm -hmm. so 
there's several other things that you know I picked up just looking through your information. So when I was reading about WOPAT and of course your initiative that you launched in Ghana, I saw a very interesting quote that you said regarding the funding. And it said that it is achievable. It is already being done. We serve a big God and we cannot think small. So, you know, like I said, just from talking to you, just you really get it, you know, just the value, the importance of women, but you also get how we're not given the platforms that we need. We're not giving the funding that we need. We're just not giving the respect or the equality you know, from our counterparts, whether they're male or just even from another race, unfortunately. So just how do you stay grounded? Something else that I read as well is that you are a survivor of several life-threatening automobile accidents and that you make use of your second chances mm-hmm. and total existence to fulfill God's plan for your life. So just what you're doing with women, like you said, your second chance at life, How do you correlate the two? Like how have the second chances that you've gone through given you the empowerment to focus and give back to others? Because sometimes people go through things and they don't necessarily take the baton to go to the next level to help others. So what inspires you? You asked the best question, (laughs) Sharon. From your lips to Oprah's ear. (laughs) I would say that... um, A couple of things. Number one, I am only here and solely here by the grace of God. If it wasn't for him, I would have been out. You know, I um, had three automobile accidents that totaled three vehicles in a matter of two to three months. And so I was the health planner. I was working as the health planner for Burlington County, overseeing um, the quality of life of 400,000 residents. I was also the partnership coordinator for the state of New Jersey, and I was working as a professor at two community colleges because I wanted students to see me in the educational system. So at that time, I started having these accidents. The first one, I was hit by a drunk driver coming back from a teen summit in which I had my two daughters. And so we ended up in the hospital, laid up, going through recovery, all of that. And then I'm going to one of the colleges. A couple of weeks later, there was a snowstorm. I tried to avoid an accident and I ran into a tree that totaled my SUV. So the minivan's gone, the SUV is gone. I'm in a rental car, Sharonda, a rental car, going to another college a couple of weeks later. And I was on a major highway and there was a strip of land in between, I'm in five lanes, a strip of land, and then another five lanes. I'm going northbound. There's an accident in the southbound lane, okay? The debris hops over the island. So there's tires, there's bumpers, there's all sorts of stuff coming at all of us. The cars are swerving and a a tire disables my rental car, Sharonda, okay? And it's like, I'm in a live movie. I can't even describe it, true stuff. And I end up on the side of the road. I call my husband and he says, oh my God, not again. Mm. Okay, here are two cars in a rental car. So how do I, how am I still here today? 
I stopped driving for two years. I was afraid to drive. All I saw was accidents. I couldn't even ride with my husband because I want to grab the wheel all the time when everything looked like an accident. I wouldn't let my two oldest children get their license because I didn't want them to drive. So I just like everybody else, I went through it, okay? <laughs> I, I went through it. And then one day, um, my pastor told me to open up my Bible. I called him. I said, you know, the devil's trying to steal my life. He's, the devil's trying to kill me. And he said, you know what, Michelle? We give the devil too much credit. We always like to give him so much credit. He said, when I think about you and everything that you've been doing all your life and what you did leading up to all these accidents, he said, what if it's just God trying to get your attention? Mm. Think about that, Sharonda. What if it was just God trying to get my attention? Mm. And I guess he got to do it in a big way because mm. I'm always doing something. So he clipped my wings. I stayed home. I started healing. Um, my mother said, you got to let your other kids get their license because you're killing your husband. He's riding everybody around. He's chauffeuring. He's got a full-time job, you know? Mm. And so we had to go through all of that as a family. And then I realized that um, God had something in store for me. He wanted me to do something um, big with my life for women. And that was it. It was WOPAD, you know. So um, I'm very spiritually grounded. Um, When I started looking for a car, I was reading the Bible. And it said, before you can ascend, you have to descend. You don't just go up. You go down. And then you go up. And that's the way our Lord and Savior came. And he came down and then he went up, right? So when we went looking for automobiles, there was a truck called um, Ascend. The truck was called Ascender. I was like, hun, you got to buy this because I was just reading about Ascending in the Bible. And he bought the truck and I bought a car the same day from the same dealership. And I said, that truck's going to protect our family. Uh, So... So I'm here by the grace of God. I'm here to, um, on a mission. And like everybody else, Sharonda, I ran from my responsibilities, girl. I ran, I started the organization and I sat back. I didn't know how I was going to make it. I couldn't, I didn't have all the resources, you know, all the things, you know, that we don't have. And then I'll tell you, a few years ago, I started seeing a lot of Michelles all at once. I would be watching television. Michelle would show up as a newscaster. In a commercial, there would be a Michelle. A talk show host would be a Michelle. And I'm like, wow, this is odd. But it happened every day. Mm. Then I would go out shopping. Two people would be helping me in the dressing room, getting my clothing. They were both named Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'd go out somewhere else and I'd meet a Michelle. And then I realized, oh my God, this is crazy. And I got scared. I'm like, okay, I didn't do what God told me to do. So he must be saying, okay, your days are numbered. You better be obedient. You cannot run from God. Okay, let me tell you. So my daughter had a 25th birthday. I went out to buy her some champagne. And do you know there's a whole section of Michelle? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. So I just started making videos and taking pictures um, just to um, keep it as a memory of what I went through. And then I relaunched the organization. And now when I meet Michelle's and talk to Michelle's and see them, it's God encouraging me. 
It's a totally different perspective. God is encouraging me saying, keep going, keep going. That is a powerful testimony. Like that is amazing. Like I, I can't even <laughs> put that into words. Like that is absolutely something else. And it's just great that like, and I'm happy that you mentioned, you didn't say, Hey, I had those three accidents. And you know, the next day, you know, I was just out living it up. Like you, you said like you went through it, you know? So I'm just happy that you did touch on that because I think sometimes when people have a testimony, sometimes they kind of miss the mark with their audience because they skip the part where they're down, you know, and I understand. And sometimes it's revisiting trauma sometimes for some people, but I just feel like it's important to let people know the part where, hey, I did go through it. You know, like this isn't the, the full picture, you know, like I went through it before I got to this stage. So I definitely appreciate you mentioning that part. So I want to talk on two last things before we wrap everything up. So of course, you know, of all the hats that you wear and everything that you mentioned, one thing that I noticed the glows when you mentioned your family. Yeah. So also another thing that I saw just researching your information is the Davis Six. You know, you all of the Syracuse graduates. <laughs> I just want you to talk a bit about your family. It just seems like something that you take an obviously great pride in being a wife and a mother of four. And I just love how you guys are the Davis Six, yeah. the Incredibles. You know, which is Syracuse alma mater. So just tell me just how you manage your family through all this. And obviously they seem like a great source of joy for you. Yes, they are. So my husband and I are both Syracuse alums and um, we love Syracuse. We just have a tight knit group for a predominantly white institution, you know, being up there in the cold and all the snowstorms and everything the generation that I came through we had to hang tight. <laughs> so after we graduated, they started a reunion group called Coming Back Together. So it was every year we would have this reunion and everybody would come back. There would be about a thousand of us that would come back for four days and it, we would do workshops, we would do um, book signings, we would go back to campus, we would mentor the students, but it was really a big party. <laughs> So whether you were a multimillionaire or you were unemployed, for those four days, we were all alike. Do you know 40-something years later, we're still going back to the reunions, but they're every three years now. And so during all those years, when I started having our children, when they got old enough to go to college, my husband and I said either it's Ivy League or it's Syracuse because all of our friends were Syracuse alumni, my sorority, you know. Um, and Syracuse had five number one programs in the world. So it's like, why not? And not only was it a good party school, but a great educational school. And my whole family, my extended family has been impacted by Syracuse. Everybody in my community, my little small town became aware of Syracuse because of, of, because of me and my husband. So that was, our, that was our criteria. Either they went to Ivy League or they went to Syracuse and ended up, all of them ended up at Syracuse for one reason or, or another. Sometimes they went kicking and screaming, but after the first week they were calling us on the phone. Oh my God, I love it here, you know. <laughs> so that's how they all went to Syracuse. And when I think about it, at the time, you don't realize the impact you're having. Mm -hmm. But 
40 years of impacting a major university, Black and Latino alumni coming back, meeting with the chancellor, going to the chancellor's house, sitting on um, committees and alumni meetings and giving back. We've raised millions of dollars. Um, back in the day, every major magazine used to write about us because they wanted to know, how did you guys do this? No one else did that, either predominantly white or at the, um, the Black institutions. They didn't have where people were raising millions of dollars and putting their own students through scholarship and endowments. So we didn't realize at the time what we were doing, but now we get it. We were able to impact that university. I remember I've seen seven chancellors go through. And mm -hmm. one chancellor, we told them there weren't enough black and brown students on campus. And mm -hmm. so um, that was Nancy Cantor, a woman, female chancellor. And so she said, um, the committee came back and they said, we're gonna bring in 300 more um, black and Latino kids. And Nancy said, no, I want 500. Mm -hmm. And she brought in 500 additional more. They didn't even have housing for them. They were put, it, put up at the Sheraton Hotel on campus. <laughs> but that's the power that we yielded. Our voices were heard and acknowledged. So it wasn't just about a party. It was impacting that university. And the students got used to realizing that we're around if they needed help or support. And I'll tell you, this past year, I saw about four of my colleagues installed on the board of trustees for Syracuse University. Wow. So can you imagine? It's just unbelievable that those positions were reserved for athletes or celebrities, but they are people I went to school with who are at the top of their, um, you know, of their careers. Mm -hmm. But um, they're the same people that came to the reunions and raised money and partied with us. <laughs> so that's how, um, so we became known as the Davis Six because um, mm -hmm. all my children would go to the reunions before they were even at Syracuse and the baby partied with us every year. Now, you know, he's graduated from Syracuse. And so when he graduated, actually, um, the university gave us, um, caps and gowns to wear the whole family so that we could take pictures and acknowledge the fact that here we were a family of six alumni and uh, yes, yeah, six of us, um, mm -hmm. combination of 11 different degrees. Everybody studied at a different college on campus and they did a photo shoot. They wrote about us and it was really quite an acknowledgement, you mm -hmm. know. And so we've impacted other families. Uh, their children have gone on. They're leaving legacies. We've impacted, you know, that also. So it's a good thing. All great things. Black excellence. Oh, definitely Black excellence. That's beautiful. I'm just thinking of Hillman and the Cosby's and the Incredibles. <laughs> but that's beautiful as well. And it's amazing to just instill Black excellence in your children. So that's always a great thing to be proud of. Now, before I found everything. I want to add one thing since mm -hmm. you brought up Hillman. So Daryl Bell, who is in a different world. Mm -hmm. okay, 
I went to college with him. He's my line brother. We pledged together. He's an alpha, I'm an AKA. This past <laughs> reunion, this past September, we had the CBT alumni um, um, reunion. Mm -hmm. Dow came back and brought his coworkers from a different world. Oh, wow. <laughs> See, it was meant to be for me to say that human reference. <laughs> wow. See, too much of a coincidence. So one thing, like I said, I've definitely enjoyed this conversation. Your energy is amazing. So uh, the way I want to end out the episode, one of the things, the common threads of this platform is self-love. Self-love is the fuel to confidence is the fuel to overcoming is the fuel to just acknowledge that higher power that gives us the energy and gives us the blessings and the testimonies and the you know the covering and the favor to live our lives and the confidence and sometimes the audacity speaking of Barack Obama the audacity of hope the audacity to say hey I'm going to have a billion women be billionaires by 2030 I'm going to overcome having these accidents I'm going to have the audacity to have a family full of black excellence so what I want to end everything is just to get your perspective on self-love. Like I said, self-love is the fuel that just gives us that confidence, that just helps us overcome. It just gives us, it's that ingredient that we need for life, just to have the, the will, the power to be who we are. And like I said, you're an amazing woman. So I definitely am excited to hear your take on it, but I would love to get your perspective on self-love and how it has driven you to do all the things that you've done and to find your purpose. Sure. And I believe it starts with self-confidence. And we have to realize that we're all that we need. We mm -hmm. already have in us everything that we need. We need to only tap into our powers. We have to release what's already in us. I remember Wonder Woman is one of my most favorite movies. She was training all those years. They didn't want her to train, but she was always a warrior because she was born a warrior. And then one day during, um, you know, when the village was attacked, she just found out by doing this, she could force things to happen, to blow up or, you know, push people away or whatever. So those things were already within her. Mm -hmm. So for us, self-love is really about tapping into who you already are and being confident in what you're doing. You'll never get it right, okay? But it's really about just realizing that you are special. There's nobody else in the world like you. Isn't that amazing? So you have to be your authentic self and go forward and prosper. And don't overthink it. I think we just, we get hung up on all these other things. And don't overthink it. Just go forward and just realize that God has you and that you're here for a purpose. Everybody has a special assignment. And I also want us to like tap ourselves on the back and give ourselves hugs because we are overcomers. We've been able to overcome some of the most traumatic things in this world and we don't give ourselves enough credit. So I just want women to realize that we are enough we have everything that we need. Don't overthink it and love yourself. Mm, 
Oh, thank you so much for this amazing conversation. Like I said, you're an amazing woman. Your energy just exudes through this conversation. Before we end everything, though, please tell everyone how they can find you on social media, all your information, and how they can connect with you. Okay, excellent. Well, I'll tell you, this initiative is really what I'm pushing these days, the 1 billion successful women entrepreneurs. You can go to our website, which is wopat.org, W-O-P-A-T.org. And you can donate as little as $5. Remember when Barack was campaigning? Those $5 add up. So I want everybody to go to the website, support this initiative, donate $5 or more. And, and let's um, help women to rise to the value that they're, that they're supposed to be at. And we can all support that initiative. Now, if you're interested in grants, um, I have a grant development firm. I really want us to go after this funding because what's happening is number one, we're not applying. It's highly competitive. It's a lot of reading. It's a lot of writing. And it's really just to push us away. So let us do the heavy lifting. We'll do the reading and the writing for you. We'll make you competitive. That website is Imperial, what is it? www.imgconsulting.info, imgconsulting.info. And fill out a business needs form. And then um, you know, you'll have a consult with me or one of my counterparts. And we'll make you aware of all the funding that's available. We brought in more than $2 million uh, since January of last year, COVID relief funding that went to people that never, ever applied before. Mm -hmm. So I want everyone to know that no one's going to fight harder for you than Imperial Management Group. And thank you, Sharonda. I've enjoyed this time together. I'm looking forward to seeing you grow and, and this program just becoming bigger and bigger and you following us along as we grow and go from country to country, state to state, you know, telling this story, documenting how it happened, you know, so you are a part of our history. Thank you so much. This has really been an amazing blessing just to speak with you and co to connect with you. And I'm just so excited with the with the audience. Once they get a chance to view and listen to your story, like you're, I guarantee you're going to touch some people just hearing just your journey and also just hearing your excitement mm -hmm. to just reach others. You know, like this is a beautiful thing. And I do wish you all the best with your initiative. And I can't wait for this deadline of 2030, we're going to have billions and billions and billions of women of color just get in their rightful place, as you mentioned, because we all were and they were deserving. Mm -hmm. And it takes special people like you to really just do that extra, you know, to say, hey, let me let the world know how special Black mm -hmm. women are. You know, like, we got to put it out there. We got to start speaking it into existence. Mm -hmm. We can't hold it in anymore. We have to actually say the words and you watch how God makes it manifest. Yes, yes. Thank you so much again. And I truly, truly, truly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. God bless. God bless you too. I really enjoyed talking to Michelle and there were so many amazing things that she mentioned in our conversation. I mean, oh my God, just finding your purpose, 
being an overcomer, just even being that cheerleader for Black women that we deserve to have the careers, we deserve to have the wealth, we deserve to have the luxury. But so many amazing points that was covered in that conversation. You know, it's just amazing. Sometimes we just have confirmation sometimes just by talking to someone or maybe a song comes on the radio, just an affirmation that you may come across. I started my day out very differently. This morning, I prayed first thing in the morning. I went through some affirmations and I listened to a song by William Murphy saying, it's for my good. So just speaking to Michelle, just getting this amazing testimony from her, it just reminds me and just the whole purpose of these conversations on the key chat and these amazing guests, it's just honing into your purpose. We all have a purpose, we all have a destiny, and we all have an assignment. We live in a very unique time right now where we're seeing so many people pass away And when that happens, you really start to analyze your life. I can't speak for other people, but I know for myself, it really makes you start analyzing your life more. Me personally, I've analyzed my life more, just thought about different things, and it makes you focus on your purpose. So once again, we all have a purpose. We all have a mission, and we all have an assignment. Whether that assignment is what we pour into our families or that assignment is what we pour into our careers, or maybe that assignment is just being different, just standing out, just being unique, just walking in your light and being unapologetic. Whatever that assignment may be, we all have that purpose to live up to that assignment and to just make a difference, to be different, to be unapologetic, and to not have any type of fear. So I really, really, really do appreciate everyone that has tuned in. And I really just hope that you just pulled some gems from Michelle's conversation and her amazing testimony, just hearing how she almost lost her life three separate times in a duration of weeks. And as you can see, she still was glowing, smiling, happy. She overcame it and she found her purpose. So once again, don't be afraid to find that purpose. If that purpose makes people look at you a little funny, Go right ahead if that purpose makes you lose a few people because no one will understand why you're trying to be this person or why you're trying to start this business or why you're trying to do this nonprofit. Why are you trying to help this cause? It doesn't have to make sense to everyone. We all have a purpose and we all have an assignment. And when it's real, you feel it where it belongs that you are meant to serve that purpose. So once again, just go ahead, make sure you be safe love yourself. Don't be afraid to find that purpose. So thank you guys for tuning into the Q Chat. Please go ahead to the website. That's www.theqchat.com, which is also, of course, www.goqueen.com. And just go ahead and just learn more about the Q Chat and the whole Go Queen brand. Go Queen started just really as a Facebook post I did encouraging single women, telling them that they were the privileged, the prize, the package, and never settle. Never settle for anything. Go ahead and find that purpose. Find your true happiness. Just go ahead and check out what the Key Chat and Go Queen is about. There's merchandise, there's books, and the Key Chat is something I'm very proud of. There is a whole library of amazing conversations, similar to the one I just had with Michelle from some amazing women and some great men too, and also some entertainers, but especially from the women and the men that have shared some amazing testimonies. 
all related to how they live and walk in their purpose. So thank you for tuning in. Make sure you be safe, walk in your purpose, and go love yourself. Go queen, go queen, go queen, go. Represent, you're a queen, you're a queen, oh.